Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is March 14th, 2019, and it is pretty jam-packed with weird instances and what's really going on. Right now, we have the Senate live voting right now on blocking President Trump's uh, national uh, you know, emergency that he declared uh, due to the border. We've got to have eyes on these senators. This is where you can figure out who's really a conservative, who's really America first, and who is a rhino and part of the deep state establishment. This is incredible. But like I've said before, we're getting our wall. And I want to play a clip that I kind of like paused on the live feed where um, a statement was made so you guys can understand where we're at. Just take a listen. I'd ask the quorum call to be vitiated. Without objection. Thank you, Mr. President. I want to congratulate the presiding officer on, um, on being in the Senate and presiding over the Senate. Um, I wanted to come to the floor today to remind us how we got here. And President Trump told us over and over and over again during his campaign that Mexico would pay for the wall. He said it at the beginning of the campaign. He said it in the middle of the campaign. He said it at the end of the campaign. He made that promise over and over again. The United States Congress didn't make that promise. There is no way for Congress to force Mexico to pay for the wall. We cannot force Mexico to pay for the wall. It is not Congress's fault. It is the President's fault. And it is his promise that he has broken. Instead of going to Mexico to get them to pay for the wall, as he said he would do over and over again, he's now asked Congress to pay for it. He's now asked the American taxpayer to fulfill his broken promise. And by the way, that's after two years of having a Republican majority in the Senate and a Republican majority in the House who said, we don't want to build your wall. Okay, so I'm just going to pause him because he's going to say some other stuff. And I want to point out, first of all, he's literally foaming at the mouth, like spits flying everywhere. He looks really upset. But here's the thing. What idiots they are, and they pander to idiots, is to state that we're just going to go over there and say, hey, Mexico, just give us a check. That's not the way it works. So that's done. Now, he's saying he broke his promise of Mexico paying for it. 
And he's also saying that he had Republican majority in both Senate and House and didn't get it done. And that was for a reason. See, today we get to see who's left over. It was never the intention to declare, uh, you know, a national emergency. It was always the intention of building it faster, cheaper, and under budget. And with a wall, we can implement tariffs. With a wall, we will decrease illegal immigration and reduce deficits we already have because we're paying so much. So take a listen to a number that he throws out right now where he's grandstanding of how the president is horrible, how the president made promises, how he didn't do it because he just doesn't get it. We never, ever, ever, ever call someone out that is so deeply embedded in the swamp, ever. Because you can come out, you know, screaming to the top of your lungs, waving paperwork around, claiming they're corrupt, But you're never going to get anywhere. What you need to do is let them pull their own pants down. As we see, we could be, we were yelling, why is Comey writing all these crazy books? How he's so honorable, how he's so awesome. And now it turns out he's definitely not awesome. Definitely a crook. Definitely on the take. Definitely part of the deep state. They pull their own pants down. So just take a listen to what he says, and then I'm going to remind you of what happened yesterday. We're not going to help you keep your promise. In fact, you promised Mexico would pay for the wall. Go get Mexico to pay for the wall is what the Republican Senate and Republican House said. Did you hear that? We're not going to help you pay for the wall, right? This is all political, right? It's not. They have skin in the game and they're using it as a political pawn, but they lost. Just Just listen to what he says. It's hilarious. So he was frustrated. He said how frustrated he was. He went out to the American people during the 2018 election, and the people rewarded him by electing Democrats to be the majority in the House of Representatives. Then last December, those Democrats offered the president $1.3 billion. $1.3 billion. So like I told you guys last week and I reported to you guys yesterday and I retweeted um, a video that was being taken from Phoenix. We're getting our wall and they need $1.3 billion to build a wall for us. Fisher Industries, you saw Tommy Fisher on Fox. This was all planned from 2017. They just don't get it. This is how you win. This is how you win because when they think your weakest, you are at your strongest. That is how it is. We needed the Democrats to take the House. Obviously, it's not ideal, but by them being in the House, we can expose things like promoting infanticide, putting illegals over Americans, stomping their feet for border security. There's a lot that gets revealed when you allow them to think that they're in control because then they have a lot of questions that they need to answer. But this is incredible because we, they've already allocated, just like he said, $1.3 billion that we need to build this wall. And there was a video that I retweeted uh, by a reporter um, 
called Chris Berg. You can find him on Twitter. And he um, literally put it out there where they were demonstrating for the Department of Homeland Security yesterday how they can build one mile of wall a day. A day. So we're getting our wall. Even if they come out and say, nope, nope, no national emergency, you know, we get the rhinos, but we still get the wall. So that's one thing that I wanted to touch upon because, you know, the mainstream media is having a party right now thinking that they're winning and they're totally not. Uh, They're just playing into exactly where we want them to be. That's basically where it's at. Um, This guy foaming at the mouth is hilarious. Uh, seriously, you guys really have to find, you know, <laughs> you have to see the video. It's live Senate debates. Uh, Fox news is streaming it on YouTube. You can take a look pretty incredible. Now, while the mainstream media dominates us with, um, rubbish with, uh, this national emergency, they're all starting to a little bit backtrack. If you realize, uh, you know, kind of saying, Oh, maybe Trump is right. Maybe this, maybe that here's where we need to focus. So yesterday we all know that Facebook was down. We all know Instagram was down. WhatsApp was down. I mean, I don't use WhatsApp because that's part of Facebook. And believe it or not, these encrypted messengers, and I'm air quoting, you can't see me, so just air quote, messengers like Signal were also down. It makes one wonder what was going on. I've been talking about citizen logs since May of 2018. I've been reporting on it. People call it life log. It's actually changed to a citizen score. So they refer to it as a citizen log. But, you know, we just stick with the names that are on paper, right? Even though I've provided that document, that memorandum of understanding between states and the FBI that clearly much state it. It's called the citizen score. So here's the, here's the, here's the deal with this. Yesterday, people were affected with their ability to share content, post pictures, and even post anything on their Facebook. The majority of Americans who had no direct links outside of the United States on their Facebook page were quickly able to post and share. Those of us like me that have family, because I have like, what, 800 friends, 500 of them are family. I mean, I'm Greek-American. You guys have all seen my big fat Greek wedding. It's totally true. That's the way we are. So I have links all over the world with family. The problem here was that they were unplugging certain connections. And I tested that theory. So I would post to a family member's uh, page in Sweden and just like, scribble the word scribble and it wouldn't post i posted the word scribble on a friend in the united states and it would post i posted to my cousins in the netherlands and it didn't post posted to greece didn't post africa i've got people living all over the world that are family the united kingdom but anytime i would post to a personal profile within the United States, it would fail, and then I'd say retry, and it would go through. Whereas anywhere overseas, on a personal profile, I could not post, which indicates that this outage was severing connections or lining connections with foreign countries. 
So if you've got an aunt that lives, I don't know, in France, and yesterday during the outage, you posted the word scribble on my page where I'm in the United States, you would retry it and it would go through. But it would not go through from, for your aunt in France. Same thing happened with Instagram. Though Instagram, you, it, it was the tagging feature that was the issue. So I posted one where I tagged Laura Loomer. It went through. She's in the United States. I posted a post from my cousin that's in Sweden. It didn't go through. This is what we need to focus on. What was actually happening? Because a lot of people were like, they're dumping. Yes, they are. They were doing something. Yes, they are. But the, the problem that I detected was not so much on what content you were posting. Obviously, pictures and sharing were disabled across the world, but it was who you were posting it and sharing it to. So groups and pages that are accessed, you know, by everyone worldwide were disabled the longest. So if you're part of a group, like we have a Red State Talk radio group where people share content and discuss what we talk about on the radio, um, you couldn't post there. You couldn't share content there. My Tory Says page on Facebook, I couldn't even access the pages manager. I couldn't post my articles. I couldn't interact with people. It was just done. So this indicates to us The same tactic that they have used in Iran and Turkey. So if we revisit the discussion with Joe Rogan and Twitter, they explained how they're banned from Iran. Iran bans completely all of Twitter. Yet, if we go even further back where Turkey, and remember, I've been talking about Turkey how long, right? We've been talking about Turkey for like four months now which is going to be in the spotlight along with Africa. And I said that a week ago, Africa is going to be a hot topic in the summer. Well, what you need to realize is, is that while the coup was going on, the military coup was going on in Turkey, people would be posting from Twitter, but only people in Turkey were able to see their posts. People internationally on Twitter could not. Twitter was like turned off. This is what they were doing. They were turning off our access overseas, which means they do not want us sharing content outside of the United States. That was coupled with the announcement from Twitter that they're going to take away likes and retweet counts and all this stuff. This is just another way to not let you see content, not let you share content and keep you in your own echo chamber unless someone actually goes to your page and that's if they could see it. And we saw indications of that because people, blue check marks even, were complaining, hey, I just put a tweet out and... I don't see it anymore, and it's deleted. This was their test. It seems like all of them were coordinated. I mean, Twitter was acting funny. Facebook was acting funny. Pretty interesting, right? And then these encrypted messenger apps were acting funny. Something's about to go boom, and we see it. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see because they're dumping all this testimony. Right now, it looks really, really, really bad for the previous administration. Very bad. Yesterday, I published uh, a write-up 
in regards to the infiltration of Fox. I don't know if you guys read it. If you haven't, go to torysays.com and you'll see how Fox has been infiltrated by Obama's FBI and CIA. Literally infiltrated. These people are decorated FBI and CIA agents, covert spies, spooks, whatever you want to call it. And they're all in on the transition of Disney purchasing, because they have, and they're in the middle of it, Fox. But here's the funny thing. Do you know when this merger started to check? It was like 2015, 2016, where the Murdochs were starting to discuss. But Disney went straight to buy Netflix. They failed. So now they're pulling their content from Netflix. So if Netflix can die or be bought. Well, here's the thing. In their top management, they've got two CIA agents, which I can't name even though I know who they are because it would be considered unmasking, and two super top brass FBI officials, one that I named in the article, only because he's hiding in plain sight and he's bold enough to put his stuff on LinkedIn. Other than that, I wouldn't be able to name him. It's the same guy that you can see in photos that were taken of Schiff and Glenn Glenn Simpson chit-chatting at the conference. He was also in a photo of Rod Rosenstein, who was at that same conference where Glenn Simpson was, right? Discussing and having conversations. So one must ask, why is a Disney security IT executive at a conference where we've got senators, congresspersons, de- deputy attorney generals, and whatnot talking along with Fusion GPS operatives? This is the question. Imagine just how intricate all of this is. And, you know, people are like, wow, you open this. It's a rabbit hole. It's this. It's just one huge web and I got to speak with someone pretty pretty intense, and they, they actually put a great post on their Facebook. It's an article that I'm going to be dropping after the hour because we're going to discuss Boeing. Wait till you hear what is going on with Boeing and Lockheed Martin. That's all I have to say for now. But it's one in this web, this connection. It only takes one string, one, to be pulled off, to snap, and then everything unravels. And what we're witnessing now is this unraveling. Our president has gotten bold. Our government officials that are on the America First train, on you know our side, wishing us to have control of our nation have literally shown where they stand by releasing information slowly. I mean, I'm for the fact, yeah, I want declassification. But I think the best way to win this is not just to declassify the FISA war. We already know what's in it. I mean, I do. And there's a lot of other people that we know what's in it. What we need to do is have our president strike the first executive order Obama did on his first day as president. Once you strike that, that takes off the protection of presidential archives. Whoa, what will we find? How many things are sealed under the guise of presidential archives? Tons. 
How much information will we find? We'll find information about Benghazi. We'll find communications between the Department of Justice and the Obama administration, all relating to all this junk we're seeing come out. This farce, this coup against us, this attempt to usurp our democratic republic. But you know, I'm not the president, the president's the president, and you know what? I trust him. He knows exactly what he's doing. I mean, after all, we wouldn't see the panic we see today if he didn't, right? I mean, look at them panicking. And, you know, the fact that they, you know, they're that bold to come out and speak against the president, like Omar calling him inhuman, or CNN calling the most disgusting, you know, you may or may not like a certain community of persons and demographic. And that's your prerogative, right? Totally your prerogative. You could say, you know, I don't like, you know, Israel. I don't like this. That's fine. That's your prerogative. But when you're on a global news network and you refer to Jewish persons with the word termites and cockroaches, that's the equivalent of the N-word for black Americans. We all know that. This is just how bold they are. It's incredible. They're showing their true face. They're coming out with their teeth and claws armed to attack us. And President Trump is in the way, of course. They hate us. They hate our country. I mean, Hawaii put forward a request to repeal our Second Amendment. Guys, this is real. This is like a full-fledged document. Like, where are they? The insanity is just, look at what's going on. They're attacking us on all fronts, all fronts. From, okay, they're attacking our president, the slander, the defamation, the attacks on regular people, the violence. And now they're so bold as to say, just repeal the Second Amendment. We don't want it. And there's like a bunch of signatures. And you're thinking, who in their right mind would be that bold? I'll tell you who. Someone that's real desperate. Someone that is pulling that trigger with whatever bullets in there and maybe not. It's like Russian roulette. They have no bullets left in the chamber. They tried everything. And they lost. And we're about to see a huge march. Mid-march. You know, coming in like a lion, going out like a lamb. Well, you know, we roast that lamb. You know, (laughs) I'm just saying. It is ferocious. What is going on is ferocious. And our our president doesn't even hide it. Today, he tweeted out three consecutive tweets. Prominent legal scholars agree that our actions to address the national emergency at the southern border and to protect the American people are both constitutional and expressly authorized by Congress. If at a later date, Congress wants to update the law, I will support those efforts. But today's issue is border security and crime. Don't vote with Pelosi. Then he tweets, a vote for today's resolution by Republican senators is a vote for Nancy Pelosi, 
crime and the open border Democrats. He's warning them. Because you know what happens? If you vote for Pelosi, you're out. I'm going to pull the insurance they have on you. That's what it says. In adult language, in foggy bottom, in D.C. language, the watch it is not, hey, it's like, yo, I got stuff on you. And we'll let, we'll let it ride. No protection, no HQ, like they call it, you know, special treatment, as they say. That's, that's, that's how they refer to it in, in the intelligence community, the HQ treatment, right? No HQ treatment for you. Kind of like Senator Hoven, there's been people that have been filing FBI complaints and SEC complaints for money laundering and evasion. You're a senator for the Republicans. You come down on me. I'll make sure that gets publicity. And you don't go quietly like others are afforded that opportunity to resign in peace. This is where it's going, guys. This is the bottom line. Why he let it go like this because this is how you lead him out. This is how you see it. And all of them are kind of like, mm. you know, and, and, and for example, like Hoven, who's the biggest rhino. He is a never Trumper through and through. I don't care what he says. He's riding the coattails of Kramer right now in regards to this wall. He might actually side with the president because he knows how well planned this border wall was with Fisher Industries because it's coming from his state. So he knows. So he might actually just play along for a while. But it's about to go down, and today's vote will showcase those that are going to be going down, that are still wearing the fake, you know, Republican coat. (laughs) It's pretty incredible, right? It's 2019, and... You know, you would think we'd be more civilized, but we're just as vicious and disgusting when it comes to politics as it was in the 1700s. Only now we're just better at swiping things under the rug and using blanket terms to obfuscate. I'll see you all in just a few after this short break, and we'll continue on the topic of corruption, collusion. And then we'll get into the airlines. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, Hey, try this. Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978 855-700-2978 
That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back to the Tori Says Show. Again, I'm your host, Tori. Remember, you can always follow me on Gab or Twitter at Tori underscore says. And obviously, always here Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. So we were discussing how plans are, uh, you know, coming to fruition. Plans that the president had during his campaign. Plans and fail-safes that he had implemented, especially in regards to this wall. And we've also kind of touched upon how the panic button has been pushed by all Democrats and all corrupt persons because they're coming out slowly. We have a president, guys, in office that is draining the swamp faster than you would know. We don't see it. A lot of us are tired. There's so many people jumping off the Trump train because it's not happening fast enough. Uh, I guess those are the people that don't have patience or the people that don't see exactly what's being done. Like I've said many times before, a president is a genius. He's letting them pull their own pants down. That is the ultimate goal of any smart person is to push and pull until they come out. You set a fire and they come out to put it out. And as they come to put it out, they get caught in that crossfire. Now, you know, there's a lot of people writing articles now. Oh, guess what? You know, it's confirmed that Obama, CIA and DOJ and FBI started targeting the Trump campaign in 2015. We knew that. We knew that because I reported on that, you know, a long, long time ago. We knew that because that was actually in a court document where Judge Collier, the same judge that authorized the first FISA warrant, spanked, virtually spanked, right? Brennan, Clapper, and Lynch 
for surveilling American citizens. And their excuse was what? Oh, it's a glitch in our system. You know how we keep upstream data at the CIA? So just so you guys know, everything you send via email, I'll repeat this. I've said this before. Everything you send out via email, everything you say on the phone, every text message you send, every snapshot you take is kept at the CIA. It's called the 72-hour ups, uh, upstream. It's part of Section 702, you know, um, to help us when we're targeting foreign enemies. So basically, what they said was that their algorithm, it was a computer glitch as to why they were holding on to this data. And here's the funny part, but only specific data, right? So people that were part of the Trump campaign or the Trump family or people like you and I that may have been campaigning for him, all of our information was somehow still held on to because the law says you can keep it for 72 hours if within those 72 hours you don't have a warrant, you need to dump it. This is how we protect ourselves from foreign infiltration and foreign enemies, right? We have a backup, but it's only 72 hours. So the question is, they knew about this. Why is it coming out now? This is why I said, don't, like, even the right media is insane because it's in a court document. They admitted it. The judge spanked them for it back in September and said, why are you holding on to this data? Oh, yeah, you know, we're going to fix it. So they gave them 90 days to fix it. And in December, they appear again saying, yeah, we kind of tuned our algorithms just a little bit. But I think maybe human error contributed to it, too. We need more time to figure out why we can't delete this information. So not only have they kept this information since 2014, not 2015, we're talking late 2014, They have been holding on to this information, but they can't apparently dump it either. Like, if you believe that, you believe anything. And the judge just entertained it. And then in March, they went back to the same judge. And the judge said, well, what's going on? Yeah, so we figured it out. It was like human error combined with the algorithms. But we're going to fine-tune it. Give us another 90 days. But at that point, President Trump was already sworn in. He was president. So this is all coming down. So if you see people saying, breaking, ooh, they were spying, we already knew that. It's just that none of them, none of them would report facts would report actual facts. There's documentation of it. I mean, we have the court records. Why didn't the media, even your alternative media, report this? I mean, I did in a sense where I was putting it on on big league. But, you know, a lot of people don't. They like to wait until the mainstream media approves. So they wait for the mockingbird media to give them a hint or an inch so they could take a mile. Really? This is why I say again and again and again, When you read something, when you look at something, or when someone tells you something, you watch something, take it with a grain of salt. Be very, very critical. Because then you can understand what their underlying motivations are. It's usually clickbait. But what the underlying motivations are here. Because this should have been reported the day we had access to this court document, which was the beginning of January of 2017. This was already filed. This was something that was discussed in in September of 2016. Speaking of January 2017, there's a lot of people now reporting how Chief Justice Roberts may be lefty, maybe this, maybe that. Why are they drip-dripping it? 
We all know that there was a secret meeting with the Supreme, with the Chief Justice Roberts and Obama and Lynch and Comey, Clapper, Brennan, Sally Yates, the whole nine yards, where they presented a case to ask the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court to delay or annul the election results based on all this stuff that they got from the United Kingdom. Okay, we all know this. Thing is, there's emails speculating to this meeting and how they ran really quickly to get it all done before the inauguration. But this is where Chief Justice said, well, you know, you can always do a special counsel. You can always do it another way because there's no way that I can say, hey, he's not getting sworn in. I can't do that. But see, everything's recorded. Remember that 72-hour upstream thing? Yeah, what's up? Presidential archives? There we go. So what people need to to pay attention to is just how slowly uh, even the right media is dripping this. Because, you know, everyone worries about, well, you know, I don't know if it's credible enough because I need the validation of CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox in order to run something. You don't. You have a court document, run with it. I've said it before. See something, say something. You run across something, say it. Don't keep it under because the right people are watching. And they'll take it and they'll propel it as far as they need to to make sure that it gets to the right eyes. Always know that. Now, as we see, all these articles are coming out. All this testimony is being released showing that the Department of Justice stymied the Clinton investigation. And this is why... You know, the statement that Comey made was no, you know, credible prosecutor would prosecute. Kind of saying, don't you dare, and I've got orders. We all know about the Lynch meeting on the tarmac. We all know that the FBI is throwing the DOJ under the bus because they did literally give the order, even though they all complied because they all sat together and colluded about this. But anyway... Now we're getting, you know, more testimony being revealed. We're getting Peter Strzok's testimony, all of this dump. And you would think, wow, they're they're really dumping a lot of information on us right now. Lots of it. Like you don't know where to start. You have no idea where to start. And it's funny how we see CNN, NBC, CBS, ABC running with different things. Really funny. And you see how Fox is running with different things too. And Again, circling back, you guys do remember who was who was the ultimate deciding factor to fire Roseanne, right? It's the CEO of Disney because he owns ABC too. So keep your eye out on how many more attacks Fox is going to be getting, how much more stuff they're going to be digging up on the only voices that have betrayed the establishment. Pay attention to it because this merger is almost complete. Glenn Beck already took over CRTV and slotted in establishment conservatives, people that are never Trumpers and are simply Trumping right now because they can make money off of it. And, you know, the only – I'm so proud of Michelle Malkin from walking away from that. We need to keep our media honest. We need to be calling them out. Kind of like when you see articles running around saying things like, oh, look, the DOJ did do this. Be like, that's old news. Why are you publishing it now? You had this information available before. You're fake news too. Because it's not the point of putting it out 20 years later. We needed it then. Because if you were doing your job as a citizen journalist, as an investigative journalist, or as someone that supposedly um, you know, promotes the voice of the people, you would have done it before. So it would have been more mainstream. But you didn't. 
So this is where I am going with this before we get into the aircraft, because believe it or not, the media... And the way they were reporting on this aircraft, the aircraft that crashed in Ethiopia, gave me some, it prompted me to do a lot more digging into it. And what I found will shock you. Um, I'm hoping that during the break at the top of the hour, I can publish it so you guys can read along as I tell you about it and... Um, that way you have the flight data in front of you. You have the testimony of the only survivor of that flight because there was a survivor, um, but the survivor just never made it on the plane. And what surrounded that and how it happened and then what the media has been reporting before the crash and after, it will blow your mind. And you know what? You won't even think it's far-fetched because it's the same people that have done what they've done to our country. We're talking Comey. We're talking Brennan. We're talking Strzok. We're talking our CIA and FBI, the bad apples have totally corrupted our law enforcement and our intelligence community. I mean, honestly, though, I don't know how our president will fix it. I mean, now he's smoking out the rhinos with this vote, right? And those rhinos that are smart enough to keep their mouth shut and just not run again. But how is he going to do it with the FBI and the intelligence community? I'm more of the fact, just, just get rid of the whole CIA. Just get rid of them. We've got other pockets of intelligence communities that are supposedly part of the NSA. The NSA doesn't really exist. The NSA is like a title for a lot of other agencies just for people to know because, you know, people throw around terms like the NSA said. The NSA doesn't say anything, okay, ever, okay? The NSA is like this division, that division, this division, and, you know, out of all their divisions, you only see about three, okay? So I think the CIA needs to go. It just needs to go because it's so in bed with the FBI. Speaking of CIA, back in November, I had put an article together in regards to, uh, you know, Russia and Nellie Orr. I had made the claim that she's CIA. I made the claim, but now it's news, right? This is, this is why I say you need to focus when they, when they throw the news, think, why didn't they report this earlier? So there was ironclad evidence that Nellie Orr was speaking with a Russian national that was working at our U.S. embassy in Russia, who was then arrested in 2017, August of 2017. She was removed from the U.S. embassy, and so was the ambassador, Teft. So, you know, and then he wrote, wrote like the salty, you know, article about him leaving the embassy in the Moscow Times. I wrote that and I made it clear that she was being used by Nellie Orr to facilitate the feed of information. This Russian national had access to our databases. Not only that, she had access to Secret Service information. So movements of people, movements of political officials, uh, meetings, the whole nine yards. So Nellie Orr was always CIA. And here's the thing. What shocks me is, is that the government already knew that. They already knew that. Do you know how many people worked for the intelligence community that could be your neighbor mowing the lawn? You're never going to know. You're not going to know. 
They're not going to come out with a sign or a tiara and say, hey, I work for them. Because they're usually scrubbed. Because one would think, well, President Trump took office. Wouldn't he have access that she's part of the CIA? No, he wouldn't. Because when you work in different divisions within the Central Intelligence Agency, which I would say is the NSA, right, the the, the blanket, okay? CIA is more like um, – Okay, how do we – so there's no – let us let me let me give a simile so it's understandable. When you, There's um, gas station sushi and Nobu sushi, right? Gas station sushi, um, when you buy it, it's available to all people of all socioeconomic backgrounds because you can buy sushi for five bucks. You go to Nobu's, you pay $5 for just a glass of water, right? So the elite agents are part of the NSA umbrella. They work through the CIA. They work through the FBI. But you don't see them. They're ghosts. So there's no documentation. I was the one that told everyone that Peter Strzok was raised in Iran and that he was not FBI, that he was CIA. To be, to be specific, I said he's part of the intelligence community. Because, you know, the CIA is pretty much like, you know, your public spooks. Like... You can't really be a spy if you're working for the CIA because then you have a name badge. So that's retarded. You're not hiding if they can see your name. So these people are in the intelligence community and our president can't see them because they press the delete button. Your information is so far buried that sometimes it's actually zeroed out completely. Especially when covert operations are carried out like Nellie Orr's. And I believe, and I'm glad to see, that the only way that they determined that Nellie Orr actually worked for the intelligence community, and they said CIA, was because of her login credentials. See, one thing corrupt people do, and people who think they're above the law, is miss a few things and get a little bit sloppy. It's kind of like when you watch NCIS and stuff, and they're like solving the murder. Some guy's murdered like 20 women, and he's so clean. Bleach, gloves, the hair, everything, right? But they always mess up somewhere. Well, the mess up for Nellie Orr was that they were able to track back login credentials through the Central Intelligence Agency, which is your public front of spies. So they're not really spies. Let's just put it that way. Because if you have a name tag, you're not really a spy, which is, you know, the storefront for the actual ghosts that exist. So that's how she got caught. And the thing is, it's because there's a lot of people out there in their intelligence community that know. And so they gave her up. Or they dropped the right crumb so we can find it. This is so intricate and so disgusting. And people are kind of thinking, well, you know, I've seen this movie before. Hey, movies are based on fact. They are. And right now, we're watching the biggest, craziest Shiffy show, shift show, <laughs> on the planet. We're seeing a covert operation against the people of the United States. We're seeing actions by U.S. citizens to demolish our democratic republic. We are seeing our own people that we vested trust in and faith in to rip us of our own rights as American citizens. It's incredible. And you know, the more you think about it and you reflect on the things that President Trump was saying during his campaign and throughout his tenure so far, you realize just how chilling they are if you deconstruct them. 
and correlate that with what you're learning about now. Because there's a lot of you out there that say, well, that's a little bit far-fetched. I'm going to give you a far-fetched, you know, out there analysis of this airplane crash and Boeing that's going to blow your mind. I mean, when is it no longer a coincidence? When can we admit to ourselves, all right, something's going on, it smells, it quacks, and it walks, and I'm calling it out. When is it that we do that? We have to understand that we have a president right now who is not that bad, even for the Democrats, he's not that bad because they can all agree economically, jobs-wise, he's done great. So he's not that bad, and yet he's being tainted as a dictator when in the end those that are painting that brush are the dictators themselves. And you understand that they have no respect for life, no respect for freedom. I mean, you see what they stand for? Infanticide. They stand for ripping you away from rights. They stand for providing rights to illegal immigrants and not you. How can you even stand by people like that? How can you wake up in the morning and say, oh, they're, you know, elected and I just have to deal with it? No, you could do something about it. But it's sickening, isn't it? Look at the people that are sitting in Congress right now and in the Senate. It makes me sick to my stomach to know that maybe I have in the past put my hand in letting them do this to me. It makes me upset. I get angry with myself completely. Because I've, I've taken part of that. It makes me sick. It should make everyone sick. These people don't care about you. They don't care about your kids. They don't care about your husband, your family, your loved ones, your job, your house, your car. The only thing they care about is them. And this college boom that happened shows you just how interconnected they are with all facets of society and education which depicts your job your child's future your future is tampered with imagine on more i would say imagine in healthcare how that works imagine in pharmaceuticals how that works i mean like i've said before rbg still don't know if she's around right no one's really shown a real picture but we're just gonna accept it right Because Clarence Thomas wouldn't lie. Well, you know, if it's a matter of national security, he'll play along. But, you know, she's 85 with lung cancer, had a lobectomy, and she's up and running in three months. What kind of medicine access does she have that we don't? Our reality that has been manufactured is shattering slowly, and this is really concerning for a lot of people. There aren't a lot of people ready. And I guess it's very important that it, that it was slow walked and it's dripping through and dripping through and people are starting to listen to other outlets of news, alternative media, other podcasts, watching, you know, getting on the Chan board, you know, getting on other forums, pocket forums where they talk about things because this way, when it comes at you, it's not all in one blow. I mean, it can smack you in the face and you'll be like, well, uh, uh, nope, I'm just going to tune out and I'm just going to go and garden or something. Because this is just way too much. This is how I felt about this airline crash. 
That crash happened four days ago, and I just finished writing up about it. Because I had to sit on it. I just couldn't believe it. I had to make sure that I dug in every single side to question everything that I was questioning and find, can I find an answer? Can I, four days, and I've actually spoken with the actual victim. Well, he's not a victim. He's a lucky one, right? That didn't get on that plane. Spoke to sources everywhere because for me, that was a smack in the face and I'm someone that's completely open-minded I've seen things I can't even repeat and you would think hey you know I'm 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 ready I wasn't and this isn't so I would say extensive is the perversion against our justice that we're seeing now against our system that we're seeing now against our vote with this rabid attempt to enslave us voluntarily that we would forfeit I mean, right now we have the Democrats promoting the idea of red flag laws, right? They've pushed it in there, and they want to have a way to control who and what purchases guns and higher registration so they know where to come for, right? And we have them pushing for a bill that would allow them to control the you know, federal election committee, depending on who's elected, They're pushing for a bill to disallow anyone to speak up against an elected member. That's insane. They're choosing to exclude certain media because they say so. And it's not just the Democrats. It's the Republicans, too. We saw that at CPAC. They're pushing for infanticide, which would make Gosnell able to take a few charges off of his, uh, you know, sentence. Because he was sentenced for killing babies that were born alive after a botched abortion. They're pushing to bring more illegal immigrants and house them. They're busing them in and they're paying for it. They're using our money to do so. They're using our federal and state tax money to import refugees, and I'm air quoting it because they're really not, into our country. And not only that, like for example in my state, not only do we pay to bring these people in, house them, clothe them, and give them cars, but we pay money to Walmart to hire them. This is pure insanity. Complete perversion of every facet of what America stands for. Now, after the break, we're going to get into the cryptic tweet that the president sent out uh, just a couple days ago about automation and how you can't replace humans with computers because they make split-second decisions. And you'll understand why he did that. So I'll see you guys all shortly after this break. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, 
Victoria. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Um, this is the second hour where I still haven't published this article. It's coming right after this show. But we are going to deconstruct something pretty nefarious. March 12, 2019, at 9 in the morning, 9 o'clock on the dot, the president tweets out, Airplanes are becoming far too complex to fly. Pilots are no longer needed, but rather computer scientists from MIT. I see it all the time in many products. Always seeking to go one unnecessary step further when often old and simpler is far better. Split second decisions are dot, dot, dot. Twelve minutes later, he continues the tweet dot, dot, dot. Needed. So the sentence is split second decisions are needed and the complexity creates danger. All of this for great cost, yet very little gain. I don't know about you, but I don't want Albert Einstein to be my pilot. I want great flying professionals that are allowed to easily and quickly take control of the plane. So this was tweeted two days after the tragedy of the Ethiopian flight that went down, Ethiopian flight uh, 302 from Addis Ababa to Nairobi. There was actually one survivor, one, and survivor by luck. His name was Antonis Mavropoulos. Greek guy, of course. He actually has his own company, um, wastelessfuture.com. He talks about, you know, environmental impacts and how we can, you know, um, recycle. He's pretty benign. Pretty nice guy, too. I don't know if he buys into the global warming. I kind of think he does. But hey, whatever. Teach their own, right? But what really happened during that flight? Flight 302 from Ethiopia to Kenya. There's only one person that can tell you what they saw and what they describe as the luckiest day of their life. So I'm going to read to you a transcript of what he said. He said, I was running to catch my flight from Addis Ababa to Nairobi that crashed six minutes after takeoff. But here's the thing. Nobody knew it crashed six minutes after takeoff until like four hours later. This is where it gets really creepy. So he says, I was very upset that there was no one at the airport to assist me to get to my flight sooner. So I'll explain to you guys because I've actually flown to Ethiopia. So what happens is if you're taking a connecting flight to somewhere else in Africa or to the Middle East and your um, you know, airport change is in um, Addis Ababa, what they have is like these guys that um, are your assistants for transfers. So basically I land there, I don't know, coming in from London and I have a suitcase, right? So what they do is they meet me. 
when I get off the plane and take me to baggage claim so they can take my bag and hustle it straight to the next flight. Because sometimes you only have like 15 minutes between flights. Have you guys ever flown? I hate O'Hare for this, but they'll have you like at gate B and then you're connecting flight in 15 minutes on gate C and you're just like, I'm not, I can be, I can't even be flow and make it that fast. Like what are they doing? Um, you know, this is why usually they just move your suitcases and they label them. But in Ethiopia, they don't. They actually pick it up and they take it outside to the terminal specifically for you, especially if you're business class. So what happened to this guy is when he got off his flight, he came off a little bit too soon or the flight, you know, the connecting um, ambassador is what they call him, uh, didn't get to him in time or was running late, you know, with his little go-kart to come get him. So he took a suitcase and he went to check in like normally he went like to the desk to check in, but there was no one there. Like he couldn't check in. So he decides I'm just going to go to the gate with my luggage. Cause it's a little bit different, right? When it's like a connecting baggage claim thing, it's different airports, right? It's not like Fort Knox that we have here. So he goes and he's like, listen, man, but he had a suitcase and they're like, sorry, you can't get on. He's like, but everyone's still boarding. I could get on the plane. I can see them still going through. Uh, just take my suitcase and throw it under there and let's go. And they're like, no, sorry, we'll book you on another flight. So he was pissed. He was yelling. He wasn't happy, but they were like, we'll book you on the next flight. You leave at 11 o'clock. And remember this flight was uh, flying out at eight fifteen in the morning, his time. So to so what happened was he's sitting there waiting for the next flight. No bother, no nothing. And then as he goes to the flight, the new flight that they booked them at around like 1040, you know, um, no, 1050 he went because the next flight was flying out at 1120 from what he said. He went to the gate uh, to board and at the gate, two security guards approached him and told him that for security concerns, he's not allowed to get on the plane. He's like, uh, what? You guys book me on this plane. I'm going on this plane. There's a conference. I got to be there. I'm already late. Like, what are you doing? And so they took him to the police station in the airport and all these top brass officers came. Even the ambassador of Greece was involved because the dude's Greek. And they were like, you know, questioning him. And they're like, listen, man, you know, and keep in mind, this is three hours, right, after the plane was supposed to have arrived after the plane departed. The plane was due to land at 10.20 local time, and it, now it's like 11 o'clock local time, right? Just so you get it. So the plane is already missing for 30 minutes. And so when he was being interviewed by the police, and, you know, and he was yelling and protesting, you know, um, you know, obviously they didn't give him any room to argue. Uh, the guy was escorted um, to a lounge and they told him, you know, you should be thanking the Lord that you didn't board that flight because we don't know where it is. Like it's missing. He's like, what do you mean missing? We don't know what happened. We, you know, it says it landed. We don't know, uh, you know, whatever. So what the guy did was he sat down at this lounge. Now we're talking like an hour after that. So we're talking midday, right? Noon. So the plane's missing for like at least over an hour. And he's texting people he knows in Nairobi that were picking him up and they were going to, you know, connect together because there was a huge, and get this, UN environmentalist conference. So 
They tell him that, you know, they were waiting for him to pick him up. And then 30 minutes after the plane, you know, had not, you know, people, it said it landed on the thing. You know, people were protesting like, hey, you said the plane landed. Where's everybody? And everyone's like, I don't know. And suddenly they cut all communications in Kenya. The airport was dark. There was no internet. There was no cell service. Everything was jammed. And so he was concerned. He was like, what? They told him we were at the airport and everything was shut down 30 minutes after, you know, when, so like the plane landed 10, 28, you know, it says landed. So people wait like what? 10, 15 minutes. I mean, the airport is completely different there. It's like, um, Santa Ana in, um, California, you know, small with like a couple gates. It's not like, you know, Fort Knox. So it's not like, uh, you know, another country like LAX is. It's like small. So, you know, people were like asking people, all right, this landed. Where are these people? We're picking them up. We're from the hotel. We're like, you know, drivers or whatever. And, th- and they all started asking questions. Man, those questions started coming up 30 minutes after nobody knew where it was. And they were waiting for people to come out the door. Suddenly, they cut off communications at the airport in Nairobi. Nobody can make a cell phone. Nobody could receive a call. Nobody could text. Nobody can check the internet. There was nothing. It was like done. Everything was down. Power was down. Nobody could do anything. So that's curious. But here's the really curious part. So he says that he was put in the lounge. He found that out. He was waiting. And then... um, Afterwards, you know, he was put through like a pseudo interrogation. He's like, they really didn't interrogate me. They kind of, it was like more like optics. Like they just had me in this lounge sitting there and they were like, well, we need to investigate who you are and confirm your identity because it just so happens that you're the only one that didn't get on this plane, which by the way, at that time, it was only a manifest of 149, but suddenly we're getting 157 people and it's like, hmm that's a little bit weird so the numbers are changing and the funny thing is who was also on it like you know the president of security of all airports in kenya just happened to be on a flight from ethiopia flying into kenya and he's dead too i'm just pointing it out pretty incredible so you know the internet is a an amazing trove for information if you know how to use it. And the most important part of the internet is not finding articles and links and videos. It's finding people that have a niche, right? It's finding people that you, that have a specialty. Like if you want to know how to fry eggs, you know, you follow this guy that makes the best fried egg. Well, the same thing goes for everything else. There's this guy that I follow. He's on Twitter, um, Mill Spec P. So that's M-I-L-S-P-E-C-P. If you want anything about aircrafts, um, tracking information on planes, dubious stuff that are happening, you know, and all that stuff, follow him. So the first thing I did after I heard about the crash was look at any postings. Not a lot of people talked about it. But it was interesting to see that all the tracking data – even the exported on the sheet where it tells you what what altitude it was at, where it was going at every single time as it's been reported, indicates that it departed at um, 8.28 or 8.38, I think. I can't read because it's really small. It departed and then it landed at 10.28, which is about the right time because it takes about two hours to fly from, uh, you know, Ethiopia down to Kenya. They're like right next door. So, um, and then it shows that it arrived at exactly 1028, exactly what the witness says um, and what his people are saying. 
So here was a curious thing. So on the day that it happened, and I know, please don't have this vision of me, but it's kind of like that. I don't have like multiple screens, but I'm the type of person that has a computer screen on a specific computer where I just have feeds of different like news coming in. So it's like little squares of browsers um, just to see what's going on. Usually it's market watches, accidents, airplane, buyouts, mergers that come from worldwide. So um, KTN is a local Kenyan television station. So the minute um, I was aware that something was up, I started digging to see what the local media would say. And on Facebook, there was a Kenyan guy in some group that's about environmentalist that had streamed a video and I couldn't download it, obviously. And I didn't think to download it because it was on there. Either either way, it went away in like 10 minutes after being viewed. But it showed that Kenyan television, KTN TV, uh, had a segment with a guy named Muhammad. And Muhammad, he said, like, the plane landed. I flagged it in. So he was one of those guys on the ground flagging in planes. It went past the docking spaces. That was like the rough translation that I could do. Um, What he meant was like, you know, where they park so people can get out. And it headed for the hangars. It never took off again, but no one can find it. I'm wondering if it was another plane that landed and not that, but air traffic control said it was ET-302. Now, this aired within the first hour of, you know, right after they determined the plane was missing. So we're talking between 11 a.m. local time and 12 p.m. local time, noon. This was aired on Kenyan TV. Okay. So I did a little bit of digging. I couldn't find Muhammad. Kenyan, uh, you know, KTN TV totally ignored any questions, wouldn't get back to me. So this is why it's taken me a while. And that was it. So what's curious here is that, um, you know, obviously um, Mr. Mavropoulos, the only air quote survivor of this, gave an exclusive interview to a Greek uh, TV station, uh, obviously in his mother tongue, which is Greek, explaining how he missed the flight, how, you know, three hours after it departed, when it only takes two hours to fly, uh, he's, you know, people still had no idea where it went. But this is where it gets even creepier, guys. So this isn't like conspiracy theory. This is like insane. So where the plane supposedly crashed, right, is this place called um, Bishoftu. I've actually been to Bishoftu. So Bishoftu is home to the Ethiopian Air Force Base and another airport called the Harar Media Airport. So it's kind of like more purvey, right? You're someone, you land there. It's kind of funny how a plane would crash in the purview of the Ethiopian Air Force and no one would see it. Just saying. Like, it's like saying, you know, I'm in Minot. We've got a huge Air Force base here, right? So if a plane crashes right outside of Minot, will the radars or lookouts or, you know, surveilling flights not see it crash in our backyard? Just saying, right? So, and not the other airport, like, don't they have radars? Don't you see when a plane goes down? I mean, you see a drone sometimes, or how many times have we seen where chaff is being used and people are like, Hey, you know, to the news weather stations, what's those little specks that you see? And it's chaff. It's like, you know, uh, deflection material to like deflect radar stuff. So we could see that, but they can't see a plane crashing in their own backyard where it's housing the most strongest Ethiopian Air Force. I'm just saying. Now, curiously enough, 48 hours prior to this crash, um, 
access to where the crash happened was restricted, but that's normal. Why is it normal? Because they do like training activities, you know, they do like, uh, you know, missions, you know, cause it's an air force base, right? So it's their backyard. So no one rang, you know, and it didn't ring any bells of to, hey, you know, this area has been restricted for 48 hours prior to this crash. Ooh, red flag because it's normal because it, like I said, they have like the paratroopers, you know, jumping and all that stuff. So, but it gets really, really bizarre because if you look at the passenger manifest, you'll notice that almost every single person on that manifest, okay, from the original one, which is 140. 49 people minus Mr. Mavropoulos, who was 150. Now it's gone to 157 with really curious characters. But what happens is it's most of them are linked to the Clinton Foundation or other Soros-backed environmental companies. So we've got a plane crash that happened six minutes after liftoff, shows on tracking radars that it completed its trip and landed. There's a dude that came out and said, well, I flagged the plane onto the tarmac, you know, but it just went straight to the hangars. Nobody can find it. They cut the power at the Kenyan airport. And then here's the weird part. When people actually went, local media actually went to the site Um, there's a great thread by a guy named Sadiq Shaban, which I'm putting in the article. Um, and his, um, handle is at S A D D I Q U E S H A B A N, where he said some lingering questions as the day unfolds. One, why did the Ethiopian prime minister break the news and not the country's aviation authority? Which is true. Usually it would be the flight authority. It wouldn't be like the the president, right? We wouldn't see President Trump saying, oh, no, you know, this flight fell down and crashed. It would be what? Our Air Force or aviation authority, right? We'd have the FAA, something. Number two, he says, Ethiopian government wanted to own the story incident fully so they were in control of everything and also he said new just as new ethiopia the prime minister and different ways of doing business is just super weird because he's new but here's the curious one some reporters in ethiopia who visited the crash scene say their footage was forcefully deleted by ethiopia federal police officers and airline security officials questions 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 but, you know, this 737 MAX, right, it's happened before. It happened in October. There was a, a flight, um, you know, going to Java, and it was JT610, uh, and it, the same thing happened. It showed that the flight path was done. At some point after takeoff, the pilot's like, hey, I want to turn around and come back to the airport. And then that's the last they heard of him. And then they're like, hey, the plane's saying that it's here, but no plane. Where's the plane? Um, so again, a plane disappeared. And then they say, you know, later, later, that they found, you know, remnants of a plane and maybe some identification popping up in the ocean. So they assumed that it that it crashed in the water. Now, not saying it didn't crash, but here's where it gets super interesting. What do we know about these 737 MAX 8 planes? And so we'll get into that, but first I want to put a hiatus and a pause on that. So we've got all these strange incidents with these planes. President makes that tweet saying, you know, pilots are better than computers. I'll tell you why. So if you notice, Proton Mail yesterday, I think, or the day before yesterday, tweeted out, hey, why are email service providers uh, offering back doors for backup just in case for the good guys? 
When there's a back door in any of your software, it doesn't discriminate against who's behind that keyboard coming in that's good or bad. It's simply a back door, right? Here's where we get into Boeing 737 MAX 8. So we know Boeing is doing, created this aircraft, and apparently it's brand new. Uh, the majority of the owners are Southwest Airlines, Air Canada, American Airlines, Norwegian Air, Air China, Tui Group, SpiceJet, WestJet, Fly Dubai, Hanan, again, Chinese Airlines, Turkish Airlines, Lion Air, which was the last one that fell, right? Air crashed. And then we have Brazilian, China again, India, and, you know, Ethiopia has four planes. So I, I, I put it out there for you guys so you could just see how many, not so many, you know, it's just maybe like a, a hundred max, I guess, mm, a little bit more than a hundred. Yeah. So maybe it's under 200. So, um, or 250. <laughs> but anyway, here's what the feature is. Have you guys ever, ri- you know, driven one of those cars that have these features that break for you? I remember I rented a car. Um, I don't remember the model because I rent them so much when I travel. But it had like sensors where they would like alarm when something was near me. And what was creepy is sometimes it would just go off when there's nothing there. Anyway. And um, they break for you. They tell you like turn or hey, you've got something on your right. Hey, you've got something on your left. Well, this plane has stuff like that in it. So basically it has like remote control. And it also has sensors uh, at the nose of the plane. So if it dives too much, um, it'll adjust it to stabilize the plane. The same thing with like the rudders in the back. So there's a horizontal and a vertical type of stabilizing mechanism that it does on its own. So it auto corrects. So here's the thing. This is computer driven, right? Where it takes control of the plane and fixes it for you, the pilot. The thing is, is that this also has feature of self-driving. I mean, we've heard of autopilot, right? And autopilot is pretty much just going off of the level, right? It doesn't adjust or anything. Autopilot will work as long as you don't have turbulence, right? We all know this. So this plane has these sensors that autocorrect, and it can obviously be remotely controlled, Circling back again to the president's tweet. Airplanes are becoming far too complex to fly. Pilots are no longer needed, but rather computer scientists from MIT. That was part of his uh, tweet that he uh, put out March 12th at 9 a.m. in the morning. He says, Uh, I see it all the time in many products, always seeking to go one unnecessary step further when old and simpler is far better, split second decisions are needed, and the complexity creates danger. It's kind of like the self-driving vehicles. How quick is it when your computer messes up and doesn't compute the ones and zeros correctly that you can auto-correct this, right? So it's a big issue, you know, letting robots or computers take over. I mean, even surgeries that are robotic-assisted have full control to the surgeons. Like when you go in and, and, and conduct a surgery, the computer doesn't do it. It's self. It's assisted. Okay. Assisted because you can't replace a human being just like you can't replace a human being to translate language because there's context, you know? So I want you guys to follow me on this. So this is a plane that has a back door, meaning if something was to happen to the pilot, someone could tap in remotely and drive the plane. 
curiously, what I noticed is in the media, and this is like, you know, we understand there's a lot of like shadow and shade and weird stuff surrounding this whole airplane crash and how it happened and timing and how did the Air Force, when it happened in their backyard in Ethiopia, not even see it. I mean, if a plane goes down in flames in your backyard, you're going to see it. Right. And they're at an elevation of like, if I remember off the top of my head, like a thousand feet. So it's not like they can't see. Okay. They're not in a valley. The area was not in a valley. It was in their purview. Okay. And their radar systems locally. I mean, when you have an Air Force base like that, you've got radars for lower, higher, and a lot of other stuff that I don't want to flex my knowledge on because then people ask a lot of questions. So, Think about it. We've got this shroud of, of what happened, shroud of here's a testimony of a dude that missed a plane and what he was told. Here's what the media is telling us, and this is what is going on. But now we have this weird thing that came up. Two days before this crash, our mainstream media globally, right, Yahoo, CNN, all other papers, have been trumping up Lockheed Martin, you know, and their competitors with Boeing, right? They have been beefing up just how awesome they are, how they're hiring and they're frenzied. And in Texas, they have these programs and, oh my gosh, Lockheed Martin, drink the Kool-Aid, let's go. And why is the president so like, oh, I love Boeing. Oh, it's because his secretary used to work for Boeing. So this is the conversation that ensued two days before the crash. It started like two days. So it was like March um, 7th, 8th, 9th, and then on the 10th, we had the accident. We'll continue this right after the break. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switch to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it. But we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 700 2978 855 700 2978 855 700 2978 that's 855 700 2978 guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam sounds great right even better your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease if you're a US citizen between 50 and 80 you can get life insurance guaranteed 
It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world is mypillow.com Welcome back to the Tori Says Show. I can't believe that half hour, guys, an hour and a half just went by so quick. Uh, remember, you can always find me here Monday through Friday on Red State Talk Radio, 12 to 2 p.m. Tomorrow, before I forget, in case we run out of time, I have Ben Garrison, our favorite cartoonist, along with Tina, his wife, on uh, for the second hour where we can have coffee talk with them. I'll open up the phone lines and we could talk about something new that they're putting forward, something exciting. It'll be a great announcement tomorrow. Uh, tune in. It'll be amazing. I mean, we love his cartoons, right? He tells a whole story just from his amazing pictures. But I have to say, Tina outdid herself with the little rat shift you know, in the media. So that was really fun. So stay tuned that tomorrow on Friday, I will have Ben and Tina Garrison on here with me from GRR Graphics. Okay, so continuing on our topic, I wanted to, to get you to where I'm going. So we understand that this is a smart plane, right? We understand the complexity of technology and how that can cause concern, self-driving cars, self-driving, even drones are a problem. I mean, in my state, there was a bill that was being pushed by some law enforcement to put guns on drones. So what if something goes wrong and they start shooting citizens? That's okay. Like this is police state. Just so you know, North Dakota is like the biggest police state. We have drones that patrol people. This is legislation. Like it's disgusting. But, um, what if something goes wrong? I mean, this is a computer. Think about it. Artificial intelligence thinks in binary, right? Ones and zeros. There's no in-between. Humans are very gray. We're not black or white. I mean, some on some things people could say black or white, but to come to that black or white decision, right? The yay or nay, the red or blue, whatever you want to call it, there's a lot of gray area that leads up to that sighting, right? So we can't trust artificial intelligence to make intelligent reasons uh, reason uh, to come to reasonable solutions like for example if you were to give ai the power to make sure that this planet stays safe they would probably kill all of us right because that would be the solution 
So this is why you would never give AI such an order. Protect the environment. Because we would be eliminated. Because we throw garbage everywhere. We're messy. Like teenagers. I mean, we've... Anyway. So here's where it gets super creepy. Beside the weird story of how this accident happened. And maybe people not wanting to admit fault. Who knows, right? But it's super weird. Gets even weirder because two days before the accident, we've got our mainstream media globally beefing up Lockheed Martin. Now, who's Lockheed Martin? If you guys remember when Comey was attorney general, acting attorney general um, back in the Bush era, he left, right? Where did he go? That's right, Lockheed Martin. Brennan also works with Lockheed Martin. All these corrupt clowns have passed through positions at Lockheed Martin. So now that we know that this plane actually had wiring, you know, um, that would allow for backdoor entry, it makes you think, was this wiring gone bad, like ones and zeros, determinations, no nosedive taking control of the plane that gone bad? Or was this a remote flight control? And, you know, judging from what information we got from Lion Air, which this past fall was highly indicative that the, the, the aircraft itself had a mind of its own. Like the pilot was like, yo, we need to turn around because something's not right. I don't have control of my airplane. He said that. So just, you know, once he took off he wa- from Jakarta, he wanted to come back. And minutes after that, ground control lost contact with the plane, even though the airplane records and trackers show that he completed the flight. So curious. So I, 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 I think that President Trump made a really good call against the FAA to ground all Boeing 737 MAX aircraft. And China did so too. I mean, in the article, I will show you just how many aircraft that are 737 MAX lines are, were active, right, on, um, on uh, March uh, 6th and how many were active on 14th of March. It's like only two on the whole planet. So he um, decided to put it down and began top brass investigation, right? And basically sources say that the technology obviously on the 737 max, um, infers that there is backdoor entries. Now, most of this stuff is classified, so it's all leaked information, but you can infer that from the information available on Boeing site too. people that are technically savvy or have some kind of knowledge in AI and algorithms and how they work. They understand that there's always a fail safe backdoor for these things, right? In case, you know, something goes out of control that someone can tap in. So there's always a backdoor needless to say. I mean, no one has to spell it out. You know it. So the weird thing is, is that from these tragic events from, you know, this ha- that this happened in Ethiopia, it's really curious how Lockheed Martin is literally capitalizing off of it. Like scrutinizing, you know, take a look at Lockheed Martin, look at their relationships, their business relationships, their foreign partnerships, who they're selling F-35s to. I mean, they do have a defense contract with us too, but more so their employees. And it can be perceived that this nefarious act could be politically motivated. And I'm just throwing it out there because these people, we are now aware of what extent and how uh, lack of morals they have in the offices that they held as government officials. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. And it's horrific to think 
but you know, judge him from the behavior of the past of these former employees of Lockheed Martin, <clears throat> of the people that are investors that are currently in office, sitting in the House or the Senate. It's pretty incredible. Their activities of usurpation, criminal collusion, right? Lying. I mean, they even had the audacity to even publish books claiming how righteous they are when now everything, their pants are being pulled down in the public spotlight. So this, this is pretty much just a theory and speculation, but I want to put it out there because it was really weird. CNN and all these things are always reporting stuff, and they're always, they weaponize this against the president. You know, she, the, listen to this excerpt from CNN. Shanahan has faced accusations of being overly warm to his former employer in his Pentagon role, including his new request filed Wednesday by a government watchdog group. Wednesday, Wednesday, before, before the crash, asking for the Defense Department's inspector general to investigate whether Shanahan violated government ethics rules. So before the crash, guys, paying attention, right? They filed to say that he's favoring Boeing over Lockheed Martin. Like, this is, like, legit stuff. And then the complaint cites news reports claiming Shanahan has promoted Boeing's product over rival Lockheed Martin. Guys, this is legit. Every single mainstream media outlet, the Mockingbird Media, has this phrase in their reporting pushing that Boeing is being promoted over Lockheed Martin, and this is bad. Pay attention. And it says, it's extremely disturbing that the acting secretary, Shanahan, appears to be using his public office for Boeing's private gain, said Noah Bookbinder, executive director of Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, another clown, which filed a complaint. Um, ethics rules make it clear that no government employees cannot abuse their offices to promote a private company, much less work for on official matters involving their former employer. CNN has this. Washington Post has it hiding behind some paywall. They're all saying the same thing. And it's very telling. Coupled with the fact that previous to the accident, they were boosting Lockheed Martin, but now they're linking Boeing to the president and saying that they're literally using this tragedy as a political weapon. They've weaponized this tragedy, putting it on President Trump, right? It's, it's, it's nefarious. If you bring it down, it is. Because what kind of company would use tragic events to promote their brand? And why would the media weaponize it and make it a political tool? Like, so this company created this software that has been hacked or doesn't work well, whichever is the truth. We won't know, but I'm pretty sure the president is looking into it. But why? You know, the promotion of Lockheed Martin, you know, is is there. How they're saying, ooh, you pick Boeing and not Lockheed. Why, why, why? Look at who. Pull it up on Legistorm. Look who has shares in Lockheed. Look who works with Lockheed. Look who actually cooperates what countries and what agencies cooperate there's articles why is lockheed martin scrambling to hire more young engineers all beefing it up it's the going theme on every msm outlet reporting on these tragic events boosting lockheed martin and inferring the blame purely on president trump you know most of these articles are also behind a paywall i refuse to pay washington post for fake news but once you get on it and you click on it, you have like two seconds to like skim. There's like articles like Boeing's banner 
run put at risk by renewed questions about safety of its profit-driving 738 MAX 8 jet. Another title is the Boeing 737 MAX is still flying. Boeing has a Trump connection. These are actual titles of articles. And in there, all the journalists and all these people complaining are like, well, why didn't you pick Lockheed Martin? Makes you think. So the response to the tragedy is always telling, right? Um, How many times have we seen missing kids or a dead husband or something like that? And then, you know, the wife or the husband or the actual murderer comes on TV and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so devastated that they're missing. Oh, I don't know. You could tell from their response, right, that they're guilty, right? You could see their reaction to a tragedy was what it is. So if we take this reactionary, you know, um, theory, right? Reaction to, to, to tragedy theory, where you, the way you respond to a tragedy depicts exactly where you're coming from. If we take that theory, um, I would say that I'd be careful that, um, if Lockheed Martin, which they do have defense contracts with us, I think we need to put them on pause. I would, if I was president, I'd be putting them all on pause and suspend all contracts until a thorough investigation is completed into the alleged backdoor hacks of the Boeing 737 uh, MAX. I think that is imperative uh, because this is scary, especially when it's coupled with the fact that they're trying to profiteer. I mean, like what kind of company and what kind of media would use tragedy to say, why aren't you using our preferred company? So this tragedy of this crash has tons of questions. Like, did the plane actually land and go into the hangars as it was first reported? Was there a crash? And how was the crash not detected by the Ethiopian Air Force since it happened literally in their backyard? Why were reporters forced to delete footage? You know, why this sudden wave of Lockheed Martin advertising through articles and jabs of the president through the mainstream media? And why is it being used as a tool against the Trump administration? So these are all valid questions. It's disgusting. And you have to think, if you actually look at the manifest, you know, the creepiest thing that I saw, you know, obviously a lot of them work for the Clinton Foundation, a lot of them from Soros organizations, right? But the weirdest death is the general manager of security services of Kenyan Airport Authority, George Kabugi. He is one of those feared deceased from the tragic crash. You know what? Hold on a second, right? So this guy who manages all security in all Kenyan airports is supposedly on this plane that crashed coming in from Ethiopia. Is he those extra people that came up on the manifest? Because the original manifest said 149 people. Now it's up to 157. Could he be one that didn't comply with whatever they were doing, if they were doing something? These are questions we should ask. Like, that's really creepy. Out of all days, he's in Ethiopia as the head of security flying on a plane that's exclusively with UN environmentalists, right? Because they all took like these connecting flights into Ethiopia to go there. These are all people, fruity people, 
crunchy people. You know, we've even got this Hong Kong, um, you know, non-binary, no sex, no gender specialist on there. I mean, we've got people that literally work for Clinton outreach foundations in Africa. They've all met up at the airport and they're all going to the same place. So the majority of them are, are there. We also had someone that is claimed to have been going for a funeral that was from the United States that was attending George Washington University Key word uh so it's really really uh, iffy it's it's pretty crazy because he served in the kenyan defense force right for 37 years this guy and he served in south sudan this guy's a veteran this guy is smart and uh, i'm just saying like come on guys when is a coincidence enough and the only reason i put this in context for everyone to see is something is going on that we're not understanding There is a lot of speculation here. Okay, this plane could have failed. It could have been this nose auto-correction thing. But the bottom line is there's so much, so many questions that arise. Like, was this guy, I reached out to Kenyan authorities and I tried to get a hold of someone and it's really hard because I don't speak any of the um, indigenous languages there. Um, but I actually tried to reach out to airport personnel, you know, like calling and acting like a ditzy customer. And then I wanted to know if, um, you know, the general manager, uh, you know, I, I kind of said on the phone call, hey, so, you know, your general manager, Mr. Kabugi, told me um, just two days ago, you know, like actually it was like March 6th that I said that he told me that, um, you know, I can bring my weapon, you know, with me. This is why I needed to speak with security for this. And I wanted someone to answer like, yeah, if he told you, then this. But whenever they heard that name, they would just hang up on me. And it's like, okay. Legit question, you know, have you guys ever flown with like a weapon, like your handgun or something? You know, you have to clear it with security, you get permission or whatever, right? So that was a legit thing, totally a big fat lie. But I wanted to throw his name in to see if someone could confirm that he was actually physically in Kenya, you know, when he, you know, um, was supposedly on a plane from Ethiopia. Uh, But I couldn't get around it. Uh, The minute I raised his name, it was like, boom, hang up, complete hang up. So... You know, that's curious because they were so helpful and I was asking about it and, and, you know, I'm just saying this is, this is really curious and people should be asking questions, all these questions. Why is this being weaponized against our president? Why are they saying that he's responsible for these Boeing planes? Why are they pushing that? Why are they promoting Lockheed Martin? What is going on? Who is going on? Seriously, guys. I wouldn't put it past them if they actually did something like this to promote Lockheed Martin for whatever it is. Because if you taint Boeing enough in the public's eyes and purview and, you know, the people that actually give contracts to this company, you can pretty much exclude them from federal contracting. And, you know, one would say, well, that's terrible. They wouldn't do it. Well, look at what they've done to us. Look at what they've already done to us. They tried to overthrow our president. They tried to stymie. They gave HQ service to Hillary Clinton and Obama. They've been lying. They've been selling our country. They sold our uranium. They're, they've been making themselves rich on our toilings. What makes you think that this is a big deal for them? 
I mean, I don't know. Maybe they didn't kill the people. Maybe they didn't die. Maybe the the crash was staged and they saved all their, you know, crazy environmentalist people and hid them or, you know, <laughs> you know, regurgitated them back in. But I don't think so. Because I think the president knows exactly what's up. Because you have to see that um, he tweeted out something quite curious the other day, right, about California. And I read it yesterday. Do you remember that? Do you remember how he called them 737 stone cold killers? Do you guys remember that? Where he was talking, he said, he tweeted this out on March 13th. Defying, defying voters, the governor of California will halt all death penalty executions of 737, 737 stone cold killers. Friends and families of the always forgotten victims in capitals are not thrilled and neither am I. So I did a little bit of digging about these executions and they're not 737. So this tells me that something else is playing here. I don't know. Maybe it was a typo. But the bottom line is, I guess, if if we can smell it and we can see it, definitely our president does because he's like 20 million steps ahead of all of us and the people that surround him too. But again, like I say, so many questions in this day and age of nefarious activities. And it just so happened, you know, with Facebook going down, Instagram going down, Twitter changing their thing. They're pushing in this silencing, this uh, attempt to... Um, manipulate the elections and a lot of us are probably up in arms just like I am in private too like come on man do something like they're silencing us they're censoring us they're blocking us we can't talk we can't share content we're not allowed to post this this is being flagged as fake news like who are they to say it's fake news like they won't let me access this they won't let me do that I can't upload this do something President Trump and we're all up in arms but I think Whatever he's doing is going to come to fruition when it's really necessary. He knows, as well as all of us know, that communication is key when it comes to winning the elections. And especially now when we have the DNC popping and rearing their head with their secret weapon of uh, Andrew Yang that's coming up in the ranks. And um, I'm really glad to say that... um, Well, I won't say their name because I don't know if I can. But working with someone who's also digging into this, we're finding that the Yang administration or administration campaign um, is actually working tightly with some really dubious factions of people within our country and bot farms. So it's pretty curious. But for me, what's curious is is that if you actually look at his feed, um, he tweeted out, on Chinese television, how his advertisement of Yang for Humanity is there. And I'm not, I can't stress this enough. We all know that the ultimate enemy of every single person, even the globalist, even the insane, nefarious, satanic, disgusting, these people are sick globalists, are the Chinese because they're way smarter, way smarter. And, you know, the globalists are way too, uh, you know, cocky thinking that they're smarter than everyone else because they're networked. But the fact that he's being promoted on Chinese television is important. 
And I took a screenshot of that in case he wants to delete it. So if one of his people are listening to this, I already got a screenshot. So so th- these are things that we all need to um, be paying attention to. I know it's like a full-time job. But I tell you, you know, if you take it in stride just like I do, I have like a screen where I just like – pop up and I just like watch random news. I mean, for me, it's a lot easier because I speak a few languages, right? I'm always plugged into Al Jazeera, but usually I look at like local stations, like, you know, like TV five in France, you know, or right. Uno sub that they have like for Calabria, because those are more, um, non-restrictive news, kind of like Kenyan TV that I tapped into. Uh, if, if, if you look at places that aren't so globally connected, even though they're controlled by, you know, the big networks, because a lot of people think, well, you know, all entertainment in America is owned by six companies. Same six companies own the stuff globally too, guys. So even the television station in Greece is owned by the same conglomerate that owns CNN, which is AT&T, DirecTV, but it goes into one other company that goes into that company. So they're all controlled. But when they're on a regional level and they don't care and they think those people are too stupid and no one cares if some real news slips out, that's where we need to jump on that and pay attention to that. Elections 2020 are coming. We're getting our promise, you know, the promises that the president made about the wall have been kept. We're getting our wall. Uh, the number that he said, $1.3 billion that they allocated, and that should be enough since he begged Congress. What a douche saying that um, while he was foaming at his mouth. Is enough for Tommy Fisher to get down there and build us the wall. So we're good. This was already done. This was already a done deal from 2017. So the president has been working on things and then tabling them so people forget about it. Because one thing that I've stressed and I keep stressing is that people have short-term memory. You don't remember things. I'll tell you a fun fact people don't remember. Do you guys know, and I ran across this today and I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot it. Do you guys know that there was a peace treaty and an agreement Seriously, sign between Reagan and Gorbachev to cease the Cold War if there was an alien invasion. I kid you not. This is like legit. Search for it. This is this is legit. This is like a WTF fact. Have you guys ever followed that? You should just put in like on DuckDuckGo WTF fact and then go to images. You'll see a bunch of stuff. You'll be like, what? And it's like real. So that was one that I had seen a while back and I was just like, what? So people have a short-term memory, right? We need to start remembering or revisiting the past because the past proves the future always. On that note, I can't believe this half hour is gone too. Remember to tune in tomorrow. I have Ben and Tina Garrison at the second half. And we'll be talking about the Senate vote, obviously, in the first hour. And we'll be plucking apart all these rhinos. Um, And again, you can follow me on Twitter and Gab at Tori underscore says. And I'll be publishing uh, this article on ToriSays.com within the next, like, 40 minutes. I'm just tweaking it because I'm a really bad writer, guys. I'm just a good talker. I appreciate for all of you tuning in from all of us here at Red State. We wish you a happy and healthy day. I'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. God bless.